Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everyone. Great to have you here as always. Thank you so much for joining. An honor and a privilege as we bear down on this election and things are just going to keep heating up. I've got to say, I'm already... I'm ready for the fight. I'm like a, I'm like a guy that can't wait to run out of the tunnel, do a backflip on the field and start dunking and throwing touchdowns and all those fun things. Right. I, I want to get into this battle. I want to get in this fight. And let's start right now with what the attorney general, as you know, I think probably the most uh, competent, most effective member of the Trump cabinet. And he gave a speech last night that's got the liberals all upset. He hit on some key issues. But let me break down just a couple of them for you, because this this really matters. This goes to the philosophy right now, the underlying philosophical contest, debate, fight between the right and the left as it pertains to the deep state and the weaponization of prosecutors offices and the increase of tyranny that we've gone through this year there there is a tyrannical impulse on display in this era of covid there's no question about that that's what's happening right now that's what's really going on and the attorney general finally said enough is enough now let me start with his view of these lockdown measures now keep in mind keep in mind that we just had a federal judge tell the governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, no, you can't just keep doing this. You can't extend indefinitely. Think of the power we've given governors. Think of the power we have allowed state level officials to have. It's as though we have we have no constitutional protection. We don't even have administrative or process protections. Just the stroke of a pen. Yeah, I'm the governor and I say you got to stay home. You have to stay in your domicile. You have to shelter in place. We usually accept these things in extremes like a hurricane or and we know it's going to pass pretty quickly and it's limited duration. What we've seen is lockdown has turned into an extension of emergency measures to make them quasi permanent. What the heck is this? limitations on how many people can gather together what are those based on well whatever the governor thinks or his moron health advisors new york pennsylvania california they're all coming up with this look even texas was putting restrictions in place that i was saying what the heck are they doing you know give me liberty or give me death very quickly turn into give me a promise of safety and a face mask right away friends it's time to take back our liberty this was wrong What's happened here was wrong. It did not even make us safer, which is always the problem with this bargain that the government inflicts on us. They pretend it's a bargain. It's really a prescription. But it's do we go along with it willingly? And in this instance, unfortunately, the answer was yes, we did. We said, sure, a slight reduction in COVID-19, a slight reduction in the infections, maybe theoretically from all these measures. Remember, I'm not talking about a reduction for a week or two. I'm looking at the the totality of cases. The measures were meant the only way they got us to agree to this was to tell us that it was about hospital capacity. So we can't have too many cases all at once, guys. And then they just somehow seamlessly transitioned into 
well, we're just going to stop this disease by ruining businesses and taking away your freedom. We're going to stop the disease. It's not possible. And everyone who had looked at this problem set before of a pandemic had said a lockdown like this probably won't work and it'll be catastrophically costly. 60% of businesses that have closed are now permanent closures, according to Yelp data. 60%. We, we don't even really know what the long-term consequences of this gonna, are going to be. And it's as though we've, we've put a bandage over the wound and no one's really seen. How bad is the bleeding? Well, until we remove the bandage, we're not even going to know. I asked the attorney general when he was on the show, I, I tried to get to, sir, are we going to see any legal effort to, to remedy this? Why isn't the Department of Justice suing states? But I understand why they would say, oh, well, now the now the federal government is using the legal process. This is what the left, the Democrats would say, using the legal process uh, to advance Trump's reelection prospects at the advance of killing uh, at the uh, expense of killing grandma. And that would be the whole argument. That's everything that they would say. And unfortunately, politically, that's a very powerful argument because we have a lot of fearful, stupid people who believe whatever the mainstream media tell them to this day, which is remarkable, remarkable. Even when you look at NBC and ABC News, this warmed over liberal crap, millions and millions of people, you know, more people watch that than any any show on Fox News. As monster as the uh, Fox News ratings have been recently, enormous ratings. The Tucker show has got on, got four million people a night watching that show on some nights. It's amazing how many people actually want the truth this <laughs> isn't that a fascinating when they have that option they do turn to that but there are a lot of people that want to be told what they've been told in the past a lot of people watch those other channels and they don't understand what's really happening in this country as a result of it the attorney general certainly understands where was the justification for all of this i see people saying oh buck what about seatbelt laws are, are now we're going to play this game we're, we're going to pretend that shutting down entire industries on a whim, that making restrictions on businesses that are destroying their ability to operate, that telling people that they have no freedom of movement or association, that that's like telling somebody to wear a seatbelt. You know, I think you actually could probably make a case about seatbelt laws and how they shouldn't be federal in any way. But that's not the point. The point here is that, yes, you know, we're a reasonable people. And if we're told, hey, guys, there's a huge hurricane coming in, we're going to need everybody to get out of this one area for a day or two. Most people, not everybody, most people will go along with that, assuming they can go back to their homes afterwards. But imagine if we had a hurricane coming. And I, by the way, thoughts and prayers go down to people along the, the Gulf Coast. I know they've been hit very hard. But imagine if there was a, a nationwide hurricane coming across the country and they said, OK, everyone, you just need to shelter in place for for two days. And then they said, well, no, it's going to be more like 20, actually going to be more like three months, make it six, make it not. There's a difference there, isn't there? We can all see it. We all understand. And that's exactly what has happened here. And you need to be aware of this. The people that push for these lockdowns, the people that push these policies dishonestly, that kept changing their mind on what the science says. Oh, the science changes month to month, apparently. That's how important the science is to these lockdowners. They will never admit they were wrong. They will never admit that this was a catastrophic mistake. They'll never admit that masks didn't do anything. Now, maybe masks did something. Fine. Maybe they reduced transmission 5%. Who knows? I don't know. But they don't know either. And they act like they can change their mind and we're not supposed to ask any questions. 
I mean, like a bunch of sheep. People just go along with this. The CDC director, we're going to get into this in in a little bit. He's saying stuff in direct contradiction to what he was saying months ago and looks at you like, if you don't just go along with what he says now, there's something wrong with you. Here in New York, we're being told, get ready for a second lockdown this winter, and it's going to be even worse because there's going to be flu. You know what I think is going to happen? You're going to have a lot of people that think they have flu, that then say they have COVID, and you're going to have panic spreading because it's rather think they have COVID. They really have the flu, and there's going to be all kinds of problems within the data sets, and everyone's going to go. There is no rational explanation for what has gone on in places like New York that have been so so hard hit by this virus and now have effectively almost no COVID other than we basically let this thing burn through the whole city. And then after the city had been burned by this virus, we turned around and said, oh, well, now let's make sure that we have uh, no one allowed to use any fire. No one, no one allowed to use any electrical appliances. It's already burned through. So, so you get the downside without any of the upside. You think they'll ever admit that? You think the scientific community is ever going to say, yeah, you were right. Look at them on Russia collusion. Look at the legal community and how many people that are esteemed professors at Harvard Law or go on various cable news channels to opine about the law who still talk about Russia collusion like it happened. These people are are lunatics. You think they're ever going to say, yeah, you know, we cost millions and millions of people their jobs, their livelihoods, bankrupted them, took away their freedom, put them under tremendous psychological duress you know, exacerbated their alcoholism or exacerbated their drug abuse problems by separating them from their families, told people they couldn't even say goodbye to loved ones except via Skype if they were lucky because of our policies for the lockdown. You think they're ever going to turn around and say, whoopsies, that was all a mistake. No. So just be clear on this right now. They will. It doesn't matter what the numbers actually say. They will never admit this. The same way that the people that believe California is on the, you know, the state of California is on fire because of climate change now, because it's so terrible now. Pretend like we don't remember what they said 20 years ago and how we would already be in a place where climate change was supposed to catastrophically hit us now in ways that it hasn't. They just it doesn't matter. They're never going to admit they were wrong. So don't ever expect that day of recognition to come. But at least we can speak the truth here, at least we can know the truth about what has happened to this country. And that there was no political will to stop it. Nobody was willing to say, what are we doing here? Now, the president told me in May, he said no second lockdown, and he kept his word. There was no federal lockdown. We have Biden running around saying we need a national mask mandate. And the president left it to the states, which under the circumstances was the right thing to do. But what have the states done with this? What makes them think they have this right? Cuomo and Newsom and uh, and, you know, Whitmer and these governors lecture the American people about how it's our fault if things are still bad because we didn't do enough of what they told us. And the things they've been telling us to do, making us do are idiotic. BLM protests are great. That's fantastic. You want to hang out with your friends in a group of more than 10 people outdoors in the middle of summer? Ooh. Friends, they were sending police in California after lone paddle boarders in the friggin ocean. You think that's about health? It's amazing how quickly 
we forgot what we believed our, our, our ideological heritage as a nation was all about, individual liberty and freedom. It's amazing how we just so quickly abandoned it. And I'm glad that now there are some voices, including the Attorney General, who are speaking out saying, this is unacceptable. This is wrong. This even goes beyond just the Trump election, although I do think that's a critical part of restoring our, our liberties. I don't think the president's been perfect on COVID. Of course not. Mistakes have been made. I know he's better than what the Democrats would have done. A lot better. And I know that if you put Democrats in charge, they're going to act like there's a COVID pandemic so that they can use that crisis when they're in power, even if there aren't the numbers to justify it at all, which there aren't now in a lot of places in the country already. They're going to use that to their advantage. They're going to they're going to continue and even if necessary, manufacture elements of the covid crisis into 2021 for their own purposes to exaggerate it, to pretend it's worse than it is so that they can have look at all this power, power that we've allowed the state to have, that we should wrest from them with every ounce of our being. We should pull it from their grubby little fingers. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. Putting a national lockdown, stay-at-home orders is like house arrest. It's, the, it's, the, it's, you know, other than slavery, which was a different kind of restraint, this is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. The man is speaking the truth here. You could argue about the internment of the Japanese during World War II, and I think that if he thought about that, he might say, okay, fine, it's the third greatest intrusion of civil liberties in our history, but it's right up there. And this affects far more people, while admittedly less specifically individually agreed, is it affects far more people across the nation than the internment of Japanese, although, of course, the Japanese-Americans, that was, uh, that was also uh, racist. But... This is a catastrophic, a catastrophic blow to our individual liberties. And where have been the voices against this? You know, I, I even started to have people reaching out to me saying, Buck, you're talking about this lockdown thing too much. There's other things. No, this is the most important thing. This has been this year the most important thing because they can't protect you. They're not they're not saving your life. So put that aside. You look at the numbers. You, you think the government's doing a great job of saving lives? They can't do it. The virus is going to virus. There's, there's nothing they can do to stop the virus from spreading within the population to a level at which the virus won't spread anymore because there will be herd immunity. Which some of us have been saying from the beginning, we're, we're doing a herd immunity strategy. We're just calling it a million other things and changing every month. We're just running around with our hair on fire, desperate to say it's something else. But it's not. But it's just simply not. Where were people calling this out? I remember in those early weeks. Oh, my gosh. The blue check libs. You just want you just want people's grandparents to die. You just don't care about the elder. Bring just for bringing up the lack of evidence that lockdowns would even be effective and the certainty, the certainty that they would be economically devastating and devastating to our liberties. What is ask yourself this question, and it's one that I've posed before on this show. What are the outer limits of the ability now that a, a government official uh, or a government official who is elected has when it comes to a declaring an emergency and curtailing your rights? 
You, you think that w- what are those limits? I don't know. Is there a time duration? Is there a le- is there even a need for legislation? No, a governor could declare tomorrow a climate emergency in California and say no one can use any electricity with some exceptions. I'm sure they'd make right. No one can can use any water in their homes right now. Only bottled water. And, you know, everybody has to start changing the way that they you know go about their day to day lives until we say the climate emergency is over. Oh, and unless you're an essential worker, you have to stay home. We're, we're not going to make everybody tele, you know, telework. Why is there no authority? You, you might say, Buck, that's crazy. And it is. But they have the authority to do that now. My friends, if the government has the authority because it says so to tell you to stay in your home on pain of arrest or fine to tell you you cannot gather with other human beings that you cannot engage in otherwise lawful activity, that you have to shut down your business and suffer the economic consequences, that you have bills that you must pay while being unable to make the income necessary for paying them because of government mandate. What do you think they can't do? And, and mind you, over 99% of the people that are making do that are zero risk to public health, do not have the disease, are not spreading it to anybody. Where, where are the limits to their power and authority? Friends, there, there isn't a limit. Lockdown in your homes if they want to for years. And some of them are even talking about extending this deep into next year. So let's not just pretend it's theoretical. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. I'm calling on Biden to stop promoting his anti-vaccine theories because all they're doing is hurting the importance of what we're doing. And I know that if they were in this position, they'd be saying how wonderful it is. Uh, They're recklessly endangering lives. You can't do that. And uh, again, this is really a case that they're only talking to just started talking a little bit negatively. And that's only because they know we have it. Uh, or we will soon have it. And the answer to that is very soon. It's true. I'm seeing people on the right confuse. And I want to be I want to be very clear about this. Confuse asking questions about whether a condensed vaccine schedule poses actual risks and thinking that that is what is motivating questions from Biden and the Democrats right now. They, they, they don't care. They, they haven't seen the data. They don't know anything about this. They're already saying can't trust it. Can't trust it. And it's not because they have a problem with vaccines. It's because or, or, or any particular vaccine. It's because they don't want people to think that we're getting through this and we're going to be better. And that Trump managed to get a vaccine done in record time. I remember I, I was on the Bill Maher show in February, right before the pandemic. Like it was right before the pandemic really hit. You know, I went to the. I remember going to the um, going to the airport, and you know, the airport was pretty much empty. But people were realizing, oh, we're about to get we're about to get hit really, you know, pretty hard with this thing. And I said, I, they said that he lied about how we're going to get a vaccine quickly. And I said, well, they are thinking that they're going to be able to get one faster. And all oh, the audience is all laughing. And of course, what I said was true. And there are a bunch, you know, that audience is full of idiots. But it is true that this is 
a, a record pace for getting a brand new vaccination from testing to trial to market. And uh, they don't want the president to receive any benefit for that either. But I, I do think just and I want I want to switch the law and order issue, but I, I want everyone to be clear on this because I've had this shift in thinking. No, it, they're, they're, the pandemic doesn't end November 4th. They're going to they're going to stretch this thing out and use it as long as they can. And they're going to use this thing. They, they like that people are scared and will do what they're told right now. They're not going to let this go. You're going to have, you know, 100 cases of covid in a state in eight months and they're going to say, oh, 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 we got to, You know, we got to institute some changes right away. I mean, it's just it's madness. They don't care about the jobs that are lost. Small business owners, they don't care about small. Just use Amazon. Just use Amazon and pay your taxes. So we got a lot of, uh, you know, civil service uh, bureaucrats sitting at home doing nothing. You know, sorry, sorry, America. You're not allowed to have your own American dream anymore. We're not allowed to have your small business work for a company that you started or work for a small family company that you've been a valued employee of for years and years. You know, nope. You better work for a big national chain with massive cash reserves and political influence or sit at home and collect whatever unemployment check the Democrats decide you're worthy of. Those are your options. That's what they want you to know. All right. On the law and order issue. This was one of my one of my oh, my gosh, moments yesterday. Uh, there's a story about Minneapolis and you're not going to believe this. It turns out that the Minneapolis City Council, remember Minneapolis, where George Floyd happened, the riots and the pro- and they were defunding police and they had people who were. Uh, supposed to be like anti-violence, spe- not cops, you know, some kind of anti-violence specialists or something like that. And now that not, now the uh, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota City Council is worried about rising crime rates. Oh, my gosh. Wait a second. Hold the phone, everybody. You mean that when you throw your police force under the bus? And when you work toward defunding them, your city becomes more dangerous, more violent. You have more problems. <gasps> that's that's crazy. Of course, it's entirely predictable. And th- there's there's really nothing you can say about this other than the, the people that are now um, expressing any kind of surprise at the minnesota city council or, or in the minnesota city council about this are honest or minneapolis i should say are honestly so either so dumb or so dishonest that their opinions about anything really can't matter very much um they're alarmed by the crime surge after defunding police that's the headline of the new york post wait but i thought all i, I thought we were going to envision a world without cops I thought we were going to create a society where we don't even need police. Remember the autonomous zones and all this other lunacy out there. This is lunacy. It's all coming from the Democrat Party, all unhinged, all untethered from what really works in the real world. It's totally absurd. So you have the Minneapolis City Council members who just two months ago moved to eliminate the police department, according to the New York Post here, sounded the alarm this week about a surge in crime seen by their constituents. Council members pressed police chief Medaria Arredondo about the uptick in crimes, including daylight carjackings. Oh, that sounds pretty horrible. 
robberies, assaults, shootings, and street racing. Residents are asking, where are the police, said Councilmember Jamal Osman, noting that constituents' calls to Minneapolis police departments have gone unanswered. That is the only public safety option they have at the moment, and they're saying they're nowhere to be seen. Council President Lisa Bender accused police of intentionally not enforcing laws. This is not new, but it's very concerning in the current context. No, it turns out if you cut police budgets and there aren't enough of them and they aren't allowed to do their jobs because of systemic racism. Everybody suffers. Black people suffer. White people suffer. Asian people suffer. Latino people suffer. Everyone. When the police are cut down from what they need to be and are even as importantly, not allowed to do their jobs uh, because sometimes wrestling a criminal to the ground can involve force that does not look pretty on video. And sometimes people try to stab cops or go for a gun or go for something in their waistband and they need to get shot. That is also a reality of the world we live in. That's that's it. That's justice. There's no way around this. But the libs thought they could figure something out. They figured that uh, there's some way they could get around having cops. They could get around all of this. And uh, they were they were wrong. (laughs) So now we're seeing it. Now we're seeing what ends up happening when you decide that your. Big problem is really the police. The president still calling on on everyone to or everyone on the Democrat side to stop this nonsense. Play 22. The anti police crusade from the Democrats and the radical left and radical left Democrats also has to stop. The left wing war on cops puts our officers in danger and our communities at very grave risk. (sighs) Yeah, that's. That's the truth. Libs can pretend they can scream about justice and the protests and it's mostly peaceful and systemic racism. They've run an experiment that is so stupid and so reckless that soon nobody will be able to make a case with a straight face who has a above two digit IQ that defunding cops was anything other than emotionally based lunacy. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. There's another big component of law and order that we should uh, talk about today. And that has to do with the weaponization of prosecutors and the deep state and the bureaucracy for political ends. This is the whole Russia collusion nonsense. The appointment of the special counsel that never should have happened. It was a clear partisan hit job. Everybody knows it. Everyone could see it. Yet it was not stopped. A big failing of Jeff Sessions, among others. And Bill Barr spoke more about this. Let let me first just say, the same way that the people that push for lockdowns will never admit that they were catastrophically wrong, costly, stupid, and counterproductive. The same people that will uh, never. It it doesn't matter what study you show that they, they can't. Could you imagine? They, they won't subject themselves to that, that rage. But those same individuals, uh, I'm sorry, in the same way that those individuals will never admit that they were wrong, 
The deep staters, they're never going to say, I'm sorry. They're never going to say, maybe I shouldn't have tried to undo the results of an election. No, quite the opposite. They, they think they deserve bigger book advances. They think that they're heroes of the republic. How else are they going to sleep at night, right? So they totally believe this BS. And a perfect example of this is Peter Strzok. He of the insurance policy in case Trump won investigating President Trump, the guy who sat down and completely just like a slimy, unctuous, disgusting swamp creature that he is, uh, set up General Flynn, right? Struck. Oh, went along with that whole thing. Here, This guy's fingerprints are all over the worst deep state stuff. Him and Comey and McCabe, all over all the worst stuff with the Russia collusion nonsense. They throw Brennan in there. You've really got a, a row of idiots. But here he is telling everybody that he thinks he's one of the good guys, of course. Play two. 25 years from now, how does history see you? I think it sees all of us as patriots who are working as hard as we could to defend America against a Russian threat, against a Russian attack on our elections that helped elect the 45th president of the United States. Patriots defending against the Russians picking Donald Trump. I voted for Donald Trump. Is that because the Russians made me do it? What really is the claim here? But they're never going to stop. In some ways, the other than the uh, assault on our liberties, the, the speech that Attorney General Barr gave last night uh, at I think it was at Hillsdale was very powerful on how prosecutors not only are politicized, now weaponized in ways that should be deeply troubling to all of us. And it's always in favor of the Democrats. I can sit here and rattle off the top of my head a whole bunch of politically motivated prosecutions that Democrats did, that Democrats pushed for, uh, I don't have that on the right. Now, people would say, if they really tried hard, they'd say, well, what about the, the special counsel investigation of Bill Clinton? It's like, well, Bill Clinton was breaking the law, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, Bill Clinton was somebody who ended up um, completely disgracing any notion of the president of the United States acting with legal decency. I'm not even talking about being a, a good guy. Um, and he did break the law. So there's that. There's that component of it, too. Uh, but you look at what the philosophy has become of a bureaucracy that exists without oversight. Where did that all of a sudden come into the picture? You keep hearing, you know, career line prosecutors or career civil servants in the DOJ, nonpartisan. This is the same bullcrap game they play with journalists. Nonpartisan journalists say, therefore, it must be true. Career people in journalism. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. What matters is their conduct. What matters is their mindset, their philosophy, the way that they approach all this stuff. That's what actually matters. That's what the real issue is. And the attorney general had some great lines in all this. Here, here's from his speech last night. Indeed, aside from the importance of not fully decoupling law enforcement from the constraining and moderating forces of politics, devolving all authority down to the most junior officials does not even make sense as a matter of basic management. Name one successful organization where the lowest level employees decisions are deemed sacrosanct. There aren't any letting the most junior members set the agenda might be a good philosophy for a Montessori preschool, 
but it's no way to run a federal agency. Good leaders at the Justice Department at any organization need to trust and support their subordinates, but that does not mean blindly deferring to whatever those subordinates want to do. You hear this in the media. They'll say, oh, but people in the DOJ, you know, that work for Barr don't like his decision. Tough. They work for him. It's not the other way around. This is what people seem to forget. But, you know, the the department or the agency is held as being more important than the person at the top charged with making sure that it functions well, who is a political appointee for a reason. It's part of the separation of powers and accountability processes that we have built into the system. This is a feature, not a bug, friends. It's supposed to be like this. Say, oh, but he intervened in a prosecution. Uh, The attorney general, if he sees injustice being done by the Justice Department, has every right, in fact, has a mandate to intervene. He goes on, though, to say that this, there's there's really a mentality of the DOJ of stretching the law beyond comprehension in bad faith to crush people, particularly Republicans who are political opponents of the deep state Democrat left. That's what's happening. That is what is occurring across the country. He goes on, quote, all the supervision in the world will not be enough without a strong culture across the Justice Department of fairness and commitment to even handed justice. That is what Justice Jackson described as the spirit of fair play and decency that should animate the federal prosecutor. In his memorable turn of phrase, even when the government technically loses its case, it has really won if justice has been done. We want our prosecutors to be aggressive and tenacious in their pursuit of justice, but but we also want to ensure that justice is ultimately administered dispassionately. We are all human. Like any person, a prosecutor can become overly invested in a particular goal. Prosecutors who devote months or years of their lives to investigate a particular target may become deeply invested in their case and assured of the rightness of their cause. When a prosecution becomes your prosecution, particularly if the investigation is highly public or has been acrimonious, or if you're confident early on the target committed serious crimes, there is always a temptation to will a prosecution into existence even when the facts, the law, or the fair-handed administration of justice do not support bringing charges. You're darn, darn right. Anybody having a little Mueller probe tingle right there? Anybody starting to feel like, wait a second, why is General Flynn still facing a prosecution again? From a judge, after prosecutors decided there should be no case at all? This is what the Attorney General's talking about. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Let's continue this. What, what would the Democrats do if, uh, if Biden wins? And let's say they keep the House and the Senate. Let's say the Senate stays in Republican hands just for our wargaming purposes. What would they do? Well, you'd see a lot of rules by executive fiat. And this is why it's so damning it's so dangerous that we've allowed the covid uh, the, the covid response to be just whatever any executive authority in government decides it wants to do at the state level at least they can do man they tell you tell you that you know five people in a bar is okay but five people in a bar but 10 at a 
you know, uh, at a store, some stores open, other stores close, some businesses essential, others not. I mean, just making whatever determinations they want with real consequences for people. This isn't due process. Look at all the, the left wing judges, Obama appointees, almost all of them, who will use the Administrative Procedures Act to shut down some Trump executive order about something he's completely within his rights to do. Where's the administrative procedure for a governor that's one day saying schools are open, the next day schools are all closed? Or they're going to be half open and half closed? Or, or your business is going to... I mean, what? I know everyone's scared. Everyone's scared, so we don't want to do anything about it. You know, life is scary. There's always fear. There's always risk. I thought we were a country that really understood that. I've been very disappointed in this. What would Biden do? Well, he says there's going to be a national mask mandate play 13 a question whether i can mandate over state lines that every single state has to comply our legal team thinks i can do that based upon the degree to which there's a crisis in those states and how bad things are for the country and if we don't do it what happens but i would make the case i'd make the case why it's necessary I'd have the scientists to raid to lay out in detail why. And I would go to every governor and I'd go to governors relating to Republican and Democratic governors. And I'd say, we have to have this national mandate. We must do it. A national mandate, federalized mask policy. I mean, th- this is. This should be setting off alarm bells in everyone's head. What? So the government now can make a mandate that they say is necessary for health that's completely unproven for. I mean, if they can do this, they can they can mandate people have to take, uh, you know, mandate people have to take SSRIs so they don't get too depressed. Mandate people can have to take whatever whatever vaccines they want you to take. Never mind. Just like a few that are long, uh, long tested and proven. Uh, They you know, what, what can they not do in the name of public health? They can lock you in your home, stick a needle in your arm, take away your property and tell you that you can't breathe normally. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. We're the uh, we're the live free or die country. Sure, we are. I think we've all woken up from that. That it's a self delusion. That's certainly not the case. Our legal team thinks based on what? Oh, the, the commerce clause. I know people will say this. Right. Because libs think that the commerce clause means whatever they want it to mean. Joe Biden was, in fact, part of the Violence Against Women Act, which initially was saying, well, we're going to make violence against women a federal crime because of its effect on commerce. Violence against women is horrible and it's illegal in all 50 states, but it's not a commerce issue. I mean, if that's a commerce issue, anything, but that's what they do. They say everything is whenever they want to do something, it's a commerce issue. This is the continuing constitutional distortion we have because of the Wicker v. Filburn decision. Oh, you can't just grow wheat for your own usage, even if it doesn't cross state lines, because if you're not buying it, then it's a fa- You know, if you're not buying it from other people, then it's affecting the commerce between states. So there you go. Even you're not being in the market as you being in the market. Right. That's what they were. That's where that came from. So one of the worst Supreme Court decisions in terms of its uh, lasting effects of all time. It's not quite Roe v. Wade, but it's a. Uh, and, you know, it's not quite Dred Scott, but it's it's a really bad Supreme Court decision. Uh, now we have Biden saying that he thinks his legal team thinks they can mandate this. And we're at the end. We're at the end of the pandemic. That's what the other thing is. So now we're going to have a mask mandate for how long? Who determines how many cases is acceptable? 
No, I know, friends, I could sit here and just be like, Trump is awesome. Let's look at polls. Yeah, he's going to win. I know there are a lot of shows that are doing that every day. This really matters. This discussion, which has been forestalled, this debate, which a lot of people, even on the right, have been unwilling to really engage in because people all they they, they get so upset when someone says they're anti-science. All the people that call me anti-science, I know more and I'm smarter than. So I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. I don't sit there go, oh, they think I'm anti-science. But I guess I'm lucky in that regard. Uh, If we impose universal masking, what will be the upside? Talking about magic thinking here. Here's here's what Biden says. 215,000 people. I mean, he's really he's got all the numbers for you. 250,000 people will die if you don't elect Biden. If you do elect Biden, here's what he claims will happen. Play 12. The same university model shows the University of Washington model shows that if if there's universal masking, these deaths could be projected. deaths could be cut in half. We could say between now and the end of the year, 100,000 lives. Let's assume they're off by half on all of this. 50,000 lives, 150,000 dead. Donald Trump's own director of CDC told us that wearing a mask is the single most important step we can take to curb this virus. So let's let's just unpack this for a second. He's saying, well, let's say we're off and it's 50,000 lives. I mean, they're off by a lot more than that. They're 50,000 lives. So you're going to have a universal mask mandate to save 50,000 lives. That's that's the claim. Right. How many people die every year from influenza? 30 to 70,000, about that, something like that, 20 to 70,000 depends on the year. So we're going to wear masks every year now, right? We're going to wear masks forever. This is the standard that they've created. And I know people shout, it's not the flu. And they say this. That's not what morons say, because they're missing the point. No one's saying it's the flu. We're saying the principle is you can enforce these arbitrary and stifling inconveniences on human beings at at will because if it saves just one life is now our health policy. Well, that's going to extend to a whole lot. That's going to extend to you know red meat. That's going to extend to climate change. That's going to extend to a whole lot of things. And if you think the libs won't do it, you haven't been paying attention in the last 20 years. Right. Ten years ago, it was no one saying that a 12 year old boy who says he's a girl is going to be in the locker room with your 12 year old girls at school. That's crazy. And then about four or five years ago was, what do you mean you don't think that a, a, a girl who was born male shouldn't be allowed at the age of 12 or 13 to undress? I mean, they just keep, they just keep rolling. We keep getting rolled on all this stuff. Well, you guys aren't going to do this thing, right? We're, we'll, we'll concede this ground, but you won't do this next thing, will you? Oh, no, they will. They will. They keep doing it. Right? The only thing that stops them from doing exactly what they want is when we win is when our side steps in and says no we're in power now we're not gonna let you do at least that thing you want to do which is why the election is in in fact so important right now (sighs) hundred thousand lives saved yeah you're gonna have and even if it was 50 as he said you're gonna have to wear a mask now for the rest of your life outdoors as long as democrats insanity is in charge and I guess we've been losing tens of thousands of lives every year because we weren't willing to make this very easy, straightforward step. This is all emotion, friends. Their argument doesn't make any sense. Unless they think that you should wear a mask all the time. You know, and then, then we do get into the why isn't they remember these are the arguments we were having at the very beginning. And then there's the the panic porn from the media overwhelmed every all the rational voices. The arguments we had in the beginning, okay. 
you could save tens of thousands of lives a year by making the speed limit 15 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour, tens of guaranteed tens of thousands of lives. But people say, no, I'm going to take my chances and and go 65 or 70 or 80. Nah, sorry, not going to do that. This is really the this is the fundamental question we face right now. Is the government allowed to tell you what to do? In ways that are only justified if you think that every little action of yours is somehow in the government's purview. Uh, this this is we all have to confront this now. This is where we are as a country. This is what we have been led to here. And yes, it has happened on President Trump's watch. And he is a Republican. And this is a very challenging set of circumstances. And I know that he has been just completely uh, boxed in by advisors and and, uh, you know, people around him who, who are supposed to know more about this. But it's time for the it's time for the backlash against the lockdown, friends. The big one right now. Thanks for listening to the best of Buck Daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. I almost forgot one of my favorite things that Bar Bar has been in Fuego this week. One of my favorite things that he did was mention that he thinks that they should consider that federal prosecutors should consider it is on the books. It is a law and it is good law. It is applicable still charging people who were plotting to destroy federal buildings with sedition. Oh, wait a second. Here's a Democrat senator who's, of course, very upset about this. Merkley, play eight. I'm astounded. If people are engaged in property damage and I condemn violence on on all fronts, they should be charged with property damage. But what I read into Attorney General Barr's comments is he wants people who are protesting in opposition to the administration to be charged with sedition. I don't know that it's that that clearly laid out, but that was the impression I took from it. This is a part of uh, imperial presidency, an authoritarian approach where you undermine the legitimacy of the press. Uh, you absolutely make disagreeing with the administration a, a crime, charge them with sedition. Uh, it's um, I think the, the attorney generals or the, uh, the various prosecutors who weighed in and, and shared that news, uh, they are professionals who were just astounded uh, that uh, our top law enforcement person would would propose really what is politicizing um, protest. It's not protest, moron. We're talking about people who were destroying things. That's not protest. Lighting buildings on fire, attacking police, breaking glass windows. That's not protest. That's rioting. And if it's an organized riot activity and it goes after a federal building and is meant to undermine the federal government, it would fall under statutes covering sedition, the attempt to overthrow in part or in whole the federal government. Ah, sedition. The Democrats are guilty of sedition. That's real. That's truth. Not all of them, the ones who are doing this stuff, the ones who are engaged in this uh, attempt to burn down. They're trying to burn out a federal courthouse in Portland. I mean, that was a night after night activity and saying that they want to topple the state. I think that counts. I think that uh, that raises to the level. 
you know, there are a couple of hundred people who are in federal custody right now, and they're facing some really serious federal charges, as they should. It's not all fun and games anymore, is it, lib rioters? It's not, not, not all just one big, uh, big ha-ha, look at us, we're going to throw bags of urine at the police, ha-ha, yeah. You might end up spending three, four, five years in federal prison. That, that'll really put a, uh, put a damper on your riot fun activities. Uh, this this is this is great. I, I think this is fantastic. Oh, authoritarian regime, please. These people are doing criminal acts. Very no one's just, no one's talking about legal protest. There hasn't been a single a protester who's been harassed in the least who's not breaking the law by federal prosecutors. They're not going after them. They're not they're not making problems for them. No one cares. Protests all day. Go for it. Right. This is about people who are engaged in criminal acts in violation of the law and holding them accountable. And that needs to happen. And because it's going to, unfortunately for the libs, mean that some of their favorite little little paramilitary street soldier types uh, are going to end up maybe spending a long time in a federal pen. Too bad, libs.